Howdy folks, this is HedgePod, the podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them, and I'm okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. Well, what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. We're leftists here, which means that we have really wild radical takes like basic human comfort should not be considered a luxury. Like, the standard for what's luxury shouldn't be uh, avocado toast, you know. Uh, So just bear in mind whenever we're making observations and and stating our takes that it's coming from a place of of wild radical uh, leftist stuff like that. Just, Just radical as it gets. Um... What we've been doing lately is watching different shows. We, we were doing sitcoms for a long time. We did a couple of drama comedies. Uh, and we're kind of getting back into doing a sitcom this time. We're going to be looking at an episode of Roseanne. Uh, and Athena, do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about this episode? Yeah, so this is uh, season one, episode two. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I picked, grabbed the year. Um, it... In this episode, Dan gets a little bit of extra money, I think, from one of his, uh, you know, his drywall job, and the the family's just really excited about it and how like how they're going to spend this newfound wealth. All right, I think that aired in 1989. That was the the marker that I got on IMDb. It looks like for season one. So we'll go ahead and hit play right now. I actually couldn't find this one anywhere, so it was on Daily Motion. It's just starting up with the cold, the cold open. I gotta admit, I watched this show when I was a kid, and I haven't seen it since I was, you know, a kid. I love the intro to this show. I think it's one of the greatest intros of all time. The, it's just outright playing the blues, and you know going around the table anyone who's ever seen it you know it's just like a uh, th- for anybody who's not that's uninitiated Roseanne was kind of billed as like the white trash show uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on that but it was one of the things that was just supposed to be like a poor white family and their story or whatever I actually th- I've never watched it and this is the first I've ever seen of it nice so uh this was a big time where John Goodman got like a lot of his clout from early on. Um, it's you know, of course, Roseanne Barr or Roseanne Goodman. I don't, I can't, I can't remember what who, what their name was at this point. He, Roseanne Arnold for a while. She was married to Tom Arnold, and then uh, Sarah Chalk. Like pretty much all these people are conservatives now, right? Like. Sort of. I think I know uh, Roseanne's a lot more conservative than the rest of them are. Uh, when she had her issues recently, they were pretty quick to jump ship. Yeah, yeah, because she tried. To, they tried to reboot the show, right? Yep. So he's. Uh, uh, Darling got caught lying. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Dan, played by John Goodman, is like. 
you keep lying, and then you'll be stealing, and then you'll be living alone in an alley fighting over cold French fries. You'd love that, wouldn't you? So, uh, so the phone rings. It's one of those old school kitchen hanging on the wall phones. Uh, I remember those. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> she says, tell her, she says, Miss McElroy, it's for you, Mom. Uh, she says, tell her I'm not here. She's like, oh, you want me to lie, huh? And she's just like, yeah. Uh, in contrast to, you know, Dan telling her not to lie. What has he got here? What is this? It's a stereo. Okay. It, so... He's trying to replace the batteries in the radio? No, he, he's having to grab the, the batteries out of the radio because mm. the kids took them out of the flashlight. Rob from Peter Paypal with the uh, household appliance batteries. It's like when you have to take the batteries out of the uh, TV remote in the bedroom to put into the uh, other toys. Right. I mean, it's a relatable thing for... You know, a poor class family, you know, <laughs> robbing batteries from one. To, which batteries are expensive. Yeah, they're super expensive, and I'm pretty sure that, like, and this is just a gumption. I have no source for this. I'm pretty sure they have, like, a lot more efficient battery technology that exists, but they, like, make batteries suck so that we can keep buying them and throwing them away. Oh, well, I'm sure that is the case. That was, the case was the uh, light bulb, uh cartel I think it's just funny that his job is literally doing drywall contracting just a drywall so she's like making some kind of casserole now and pouring chips on top of it looks like <laughs> oh no Darlene and DJ have made a seesaw a makeshift seesaw in the living room and Darlene's about to launch DJ Roseanne walks in and says, "Freeze right there." What I tell you about killing your brother in the living room? Oh, I, I kind of recognize her. She, uh, much older, is on uh, Big was on Big Bang Theory a lot in the first season before they brought another love interest for him. Yeah, there were some characters from, from the show, other actors from the show that were on Big Bang Theory. One of the regulars was on the show later on. Um. Drywall master of the universe. <laughs> yeah, he, he got the job. Yeah. Dan is supposed to be like a like a man's man type of character. Like he's just embodies uh, the ideal of masculinity in the late 80s. Uh, fat, beer drinking, uh, flannel wearing. Honest, hard working, salt of the earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically the character that Peter Griffin was designed as a parody of. Yeah. Pretty much. The man behind the woman. And, uh... And, look what that man and, and Roseanne is the classic, uh... Oh, look at that. You gotta love that. Oh. <laughs> he, she rips it out of his hands. Give me that. <laughs> he, he, he brings home $500, and she rips it out of his hands. He's like, give me that, and starts counting it. They're, they're holding it up. They're cackling with laughter. The mirth of... A windfall of five hundred dollars, and they're body shaming each other. 
<laughs> Your mother and I have to make some fiduciary decisions. Uh, I think she got recast later on too. The older sister Becky. Yeah, she yeah, actually and, got recast with them. Back like, <laughs> yeah. for like a couple of episodes, and it's a it's a running gag. Yeah, and I, I think I I'm, I misspoke earlier. Uh, Sarah Chalk is who gets cat recast as as Becky. I don't know who this character who who uh, Darlene. They had it on the thing, but I know that she's like a conservative. I saw her on one of those talk shows a while back. Those uh like the View style shows or something. Yeah. She was like on there with Leah Remini or something, and they were talking about some conservative stuff that was I I couldn't watch it. It was too much. But I remember seeing her on there. So they're sitting here trying to figure out what to blow uh, five hundred dollars on. Literally. No, this she, is the no. This here is them trying to uh, do bills. Oh okay. So wait, why did he say that? If you had five hundred dollars, what would you blow it on? Uh, is he just oh, trying they're, to? They're like, oh, can you? There's like, oh, uh, oh, god, my brain. Like, what would you blow it on? It's like, oh, I bet I can bet uh, what what it is that you would do. Oh it, yeah. So he's saying you're gonna blow it on this perfume that you like called subscription and she said it's called submission that's an interesting little bit of a Gemini there too Get away, you're a little bit of product placement I don't think it was product I think it was a fake product called a perfume called submission <laughs> like yeah. for women <laughs> you know Dude, oh, perf perfume for women at that time I mean they might still be I don't know we're all taken submission <laughs> So he's going to buy a boat? He wants to buy a no, boat? No, he's making a boat. He's, okay. And he wants to buy a bell to put on the boat. Oh, I got you. We're real careful with this $500. We can just about pay everything up. And that'll leave us with $11.87. Hey, 1989, you might actually be able to get caught up on $500. It's quite a bit of money for that time. But, 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 I don't know, man. 500 for my debts wouldn't even be like a penny towards it. Yeah, $500, $500 in today's time is, yeah, wouldn't even. Well, I think it's fair to say that this family probably didn't have uh, student debt loans. Our student loan debt, uh, and they're trying to. Uh, <laughs> they they're just throwing away the bills now, saying that they didn't get them, <laughs> so they can justify spending it on something that they want. Which you know, this is what happens. You know, like when you're. Yeah, you get a windfall and you get a chance to get "quote unquote" caught up because you're just so upside down with having to pay regular old living expenses. Yep. And you know, even back then, there there had to have been this idea that's like, okay, so we get caught up, so what? Then something's gonna happen, and we're gonna get another bill. Right. I yep. mean, and he just said it like the bills are not gonna go away; they're just gonna keep coming. So they're they're actually having a fight now about it, like because, you know, we see this all the time, like. 
<laughs> well, the bills are going to keep coming, so what's the point? At versus, these bills aren't going to go away, so we definitely should pay them off so we can get our head above water. It's a catch-22 for the working class. Yeah. And if you get money that comes in, as soon as you put it towards paying something off responsibly, that's when the tires go flat. Right. Mm -hmm. Or someone breaks their arm, heaven forbid. Yep. You know. And I mean, it never fails. There's always something that needs to be fixed, repaired, maintained, updated, whatever you get. I mean, if you're a working person, you can find thousands of ways to spend money that have nothing to do with contributing toward your enjoyment or pleasure or you know in any way like how like if yeah. you're if you're a working class person i would venture to say that your entire existence is a constant state of trying to decide how to you know how to manage money i mean like it's that's it it's like your whole existence like you never have enough money to live and you have to constantly sacrifice you know which which one of your worldly pleasures are you going to sacrifice to in order to make this bill, or which bill are you going to sacrifice in order to have a, 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 a you know a basic joy? Yep. I didn't have money for a lunchbox when I was in in college for a bit, so I put a sandwich in a Ziploc baggie and shoved it in my bag. So yeah. I, I ate this lukewarm sandwich while I was in between classes. Right. So we've got... And that... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, that probably isn't nearly as bad as some people, too. That's oh, no, of course thing. not. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, everybody who's in this discussion right now, all of us have had, have experienced something along those lines. And that's why this, this show kind of resonates for a lot of people, because, like, it sort of discusses earnestly the, uh, <laughs> the struggles of the, the working poor, you know. His sis, her, Roseanne's sister's like, here, take this $5 or whatever and put a down payment on that perfume. Like, and people that are in the, like, you know, upper middle middle class would, would look down on people that are in this situation and say, like, well, there's your problem. You know, you're spending money on perfume. But it's like, that's not the problem. The problem is that you have no joy in your life that you have to seek it somewhere. If that means, like... You know, spending money that you get from a windfall on something to bring you like the smallest modicum of joy, you know, then most of the time you're going to do that. And there's mountains of research to suggest that this is a this is a a inevitable inevitable outcome of human psychology. Your brain on poverty makes you do that. Like you you're going to spend it when you get it because you know you're never going to get it again, or you're unlikely to. That's not my. That's not my radical leftist take. That's a. That's a scientific consensus. <laughs> yeah. Well, because if you have, if you get the money right, right, and you go out and you buy something that you like, you've got that thing. Right. Like it's in your hand. You know, she'll have the perfume in her hand. Right. Uh. And then you know when the t kid breaks an arm or the tire goes flat or whatever. You're going to have to, you know, you'll scrape up that money somewhere anyway. If you hadn't right. bought the perfume, that money's still going to go away because right. you're still going to spend it on, the, you know, the, the broken arm or whatever. And you won't have the perfume. You won't have anything to hang on to either. Right. And the same yeah. goes with rent, electricity, water. Like, these are things you need to have to live. Like, they're, they're constantly 
always going to be an expense. Always going to be an expense, no matter what. You can't save your way around that. Like, it's just always going to be there. So if the job that you work doesn't provide enough for you to cover those expenses and then have something left over for you to, you know, spend on your own life's joy, then there's no point in focusing on anything else other than, you know, Spending windfall money on your own, like there's no such thing as savings when in your vernacular when you live like that, you know. So he's, she, sorry, she's talking to the uh, counter lady at the counter here about getting the perfume, and they're deliberating over something. I kind of talked over it. Oh, there. It's just the joke about she. She's lying about who she's, the kind of person she's married to, basically. Oh. All right. It's like, just, oh, what's his name? Lance. He's a race car driver. Right, right. Just sort Which of, I don't even know what that joke's supposed to be about. It's just one of those things, like a kind of soft, uh, you, if you're a married couple, you have to be miserable and hate each other <laughs> sort of thing, right? Well, like, uh, well, it's because, and, you know, the part of the hegemony about that, I think, is uh, if, you know, you're always telling people that, yeah, you're going to be unhappy in your relationship, then... People are looking for things to buy to fill that hole. Mm. You know, they're trying to find ways to seem more useful, more desirable uh, to their partner or to somebody else, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, the discontentment is part of the product being sold. Mm. Well, I mean, and that's what I was going to say earlier, too. And it's also really crazy how, because then it's, oh, well, don't buy anything then if you need to, if you're, if you're struggling. Then next week there's going to be a new thing in the New York Times talking about millennials are not buying this or yeah. that, and how dare they? The economy is going to go to ruin. Yeah, the it's number like, of articles that we saw about uh, our millennials, millennials are killing. Yeah, millennials are killing Applebee's, and I, like we should have known, you know, before 2020 and coronavirus and all this stuff, like that this was should have been a red flag to our generation, especially just like. Okay, they're going to throw us under the bus before we've even done anything wrong. Like, we literally, the only thing we did was to do what they said to do. Is it, is it save money by not buying avocado toast? Or is it millennials are killing the avocado toast industry? Because that's exactly what they mean when they say, we're killing Applebee's, we're killing TGI Fridays, we're killing Chili's, we're killing, you know what I mean? Like, we yeah. just don't want, one, and not only do we not, die. yeah, well, not and only do we want to, like, <laughs> Not only do we want not want to spend money on 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 garbage quality uh, products, but you literally told us to do that so that it was the only way that we could make money or save money or quote unquote get ahead was to stop spending it on these things. Which is it? You know, is it? Do you want us to save our money or do you want us to spend our money? The, the answer is uh, we can't get it right. There's neither way. The answer is neither. Because no matter what we do, we're going to be. Uh, Oppressed in that situation. So uh, Dan and Roseanne have come back, and uh, they're uh, they're trying to make small talk about how their day went. And now yeah, they, cause he he got the bell and he's hiding it from her, and I think she got the perfume and she's yeah. hiding it from him. Right. Yeah. So they're going to be upside down. Uh, they had windfall money. Now they're going to be upside down because they, you know. They both got the thing that they wanted, and they're the boat bill. Is that expensive? But. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he he hid he he hid in the door and waited for her to walk by and saw her carrying the shopping bag. And he called her out on it. So you bought the perfume, huh? And so they're having an argument about their discussion that they had. Oh boy. Yeah, it is kind of bad that her sister was like, no, buy it, buy it. Screw Jan Dan, <laughs> screw your agreement, buy it. Yeah, so they had, I guess they, they came to an agreement and said that they weren't going to, neither one of them were going to buy anything. But the fact that he's calling her out on it when the audience knows that uh, he also bought the bell with it, this is a pretty crappy thing to do himself. Like he's calling her out on doing the thing, the very thing that he did. <laughs> well, you know, he's saying like, "Well, oh, if I go and buy the bell, would that make you feel better?" <laughs> yeah, and now she called him out. You already bought the bell, didn't you? <laughs> and he's like incredulous. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, now he's lying. I didn't. Yeah. Golly. Her her voice is so annoying, man. I can't I can't take it. You bought that bell. How does I don't know. <laughs> That's funny though. <laughs> He's looked her in the eye and it's like, I didn't buy that bell. And then DJ walks through just like ringing it. <laughs> you hear ding 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 coming through in the back. <laughs> it tolls for thee, It it tolls for thee, butthead. <laughs> That's a pretty good gag. I'll give it to him on that one. <laughs> uh so yeah, they they do. You see that you see married couples do this a lot. They they kind of project on each other and they they throw each other under the bus for doing the very same thing that they themselves did, and uh, you know it's just a thing that happens and uh, it's shitty and doesn't probably help anything that our mass media kind of says that it's okay to do because it isn't. Uh, yeah. So uh, now we've got. Uh, this is a pretty regular scene. Uh, Dan and Roseanne just sort of collapse sitting on the couch. And now they're uh, making each other uh, massage each other's feet. And this is the classic mar married couple arguing over who has to massage the other person. And now... She says that I bore children for you and all I get is a lousy foot massage. Now, something to bring up here is because uh, this is, you know, a working poor family, working yeah. poor show. The, the whole premise of it is that they're just trying to get by. Uh, look at the size of that kitchen. Yeah, right. Right. Jesus Christ! That kitchen's huge. Yeah. The yeah. house is huge. Is yeah. a full they got a two-story full garage. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, like that's this is that isn't even. Man. Yeah, that this isn't even that unrealistic for eighty-nine. But you know, it's just that's what you could have mm. in eighty-nine. It's yeah. a working person. Like how I met your mother was there. You know, New York apartments in the. 2000s. That's mm -hmm. a lot more unrealistic. But if you're in just some Midwestern area, you know, you could have a house like that on a single income for, you know, a, a 
someone who's doing uh, uh, you know hardware work like mm. uh, drywall hanging, well, you could have a house like that. Yeah, she was working. Oh yeah, too. definitely. But yeah, like you couldn't. Y- it would be hard to have a house that big on a dual income now. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing too. You know, they're looking at the. And, and I missed the entire premise of how he actually came up with the 500 bucks. Was it some kind of... Just I think like it was a, a signing some, bonus. Some kind of signing bonus thing. Um, yeah. But they're sitting here making the decision about, you know, paying off all their bills and stuff. I think it's important to note that everything that we've said up to this far, you know, is about millennials and stuff is applicable, but partly because of the picture that we've seen here. Uh, in the situation... I don't know exactly how far the hegemony is off from the truth in this one is in that you actually probably could uh, get ahead and pay off your bills and so so on and so forth with that amount of money. But I mean, 500 back then is a thousand now. It's not, you know, yeah, you could have that much in like bills and maybe like a couple of, you know, a little yeah. bit that you owe on a charge card, whatever, you know, they, the, that was not as integral a part of life back in you know, the early '80s as it is now. I mean, and if you had you know a, a, a positive amount, your credit cards paid off, which they did say you know they were either going to pay our pay our mortgage, pay off our credit card, you know, and they're going to still have eleven dollars left over. I mean, most of the time, people now, you know, working two two families working full time, they're still like chaining credit cards together, you know, just to yep. make it by until until tax time comes up. You know, like your yeah. your savings is dwindling, or if you even are lucky enough to have savings, if you've got something like, uh, you know, we were we were talking to Gendo in the in the chat earlier, and uh, yeah. said something along the lines of, you know, garnishments happening. Like, say you did come yep. into a windfall, now you suddenly your your student loans get garnished. Suddenly you have to, you know, like I, I want a house in two thousand eight. I want a house. Uh, this is a Saint Jude dream home thing, and you know, it was like this ticket deal. It was for donations or whatever, and we bought the ticket for a hundred dollars and won the house. And it was supposed to, it was like a praise for like a half million dollars. And we had thirty days. I was this was before I was out of I was out of college. Like it was, we were still in college, and we had thirty days to pay a sum of almost two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, or else we had to forfeit the home and put it up to market. Now, when we won this thing, like. There were news reporters. There was like all kinds of press, and they had microphones in our faces and everything. And then once all the cameras got turned off, it was like, oh yeah, we need all this money because they had lumped it all into like we had to pay the taxes, we had to pay all the fees. So in order to accept this house as a gift, which was vastly overpraised by overpraised by the way, and it was in two thousand eight, which is right before the housing market crash. Um, but we had to pay this absurd amount of money that we never would have bought a house for $230,000. We never would have got a mortgage for that much. So even to accept something as a gift, accept it as a gift for free, we had to somehow come up with this way to 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 find all this money. You know, and it's just like I it was a big radicalizing event for me because I, you know, made me realize even if like, you get it for free, you still can't win. You still can't win. You they still find a way to make it. They get the money. Yeah, and it was a nightmare. I mean, that situation, I mean, is a long story longer than we have time to explain now. But 
you know, we went through we went through so much problems with that house trying to get it sold. We had to keep the utilities paid up because we were showing the place and had to pay tax on it. And then we had to pay income on the full appraised value. So the IRS got us again after we, you know, finally sold the place because it crossed over into the next fiscal year. And so, well, you know, it was just... You know that you wouldn't have had to pay for that if we didn't have any government. <laughs> right. This is me playing the, the part of the radical libertarian. Yeah. yeah, well, actually, somebody I had a libertarian friend that said that. He said he said something like, "Those are those Democrat taxes you're always talking about," or something like that. And I'm like, "No, you, you're you're missing the point entirely." Like, <laughs> the military mostly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There's that, and then, but I mean, like the fact that you know that I had to pay it. Like, it wasn't it, it wasn't anything that the government did. It was the it was the entity that that gave the place away that put it in their contract. Like we're, we, we are not going to bear any of the responsibility of this. Like you have to do that. If you want to take the house, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, I mean, the federal government did impose the tax, but like the way that the whole thing was structured, you know, was just a legal, it was just a binding contract that we had to sign before we could accept the place. I mean, we're kids, man. I mean, like, what, what are we going to do? You know, it was a big dilemma. And yeah, I, I think it honestly shaved years of my life off, to be honest, just like navigating all the issues with it and trying to get it sold and then just the, the heartache and mental anguish that went through that. So a windfall, I remember thinking, you know, I never watched a game show the same again after that because, like, I went back and, you know, I saw Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy or something and see these winnings and stuff like that. And I was just always like, I wonder what they what their story is really like what is it really like yeah because you know they got to fly to la they got to be there on the show and like wait around and stuff all day long and then i mean like price is right you don't even like you get randomly selected or something from being in the crowd or something like that so i mean you gotta fly to like burbank and like sit around for eight hours or something in a in a hot studio like I'm, that, that's gotta suck, man. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to have somebody on the show that's actually d- done something like that before. That'd be super cool to interview somebody. Cool. But uh, I imagine it definitely was an eye-opening thing. There's a lot of in our hegemony, our cultural hegemony puts a lot of emphasis on the razzle dazzle around winning things, uh, and <laughs> very often it's it's just not worth it. It's not it's not worth it. Which but- you know. To kind of go back to your original point, though, about the the uh, hegemony of of this episode, um, I thought uh, in particular, it's not so much like because I feel like the show does actually it gets really close to making a really good point, but then of course it's they'll they'll blame you know the wrong people or the wrong thing at, at the last minute. But if you if you think about it with this episode, it's kind of making fun of them in a way, like because mm-hmm. it's like saying, oh look. These stupid uh, white, uh, or was it, no, blue collar, uh, white trash people, you know, they could have gone ahead, but instead they, they crave to their basal desires and like yeah. the, like the lowly trash that they are and yeah. bought these things. Cause like, that's how it came uh, off to me like a couple of years ago. Hmm. I mean, yeah. and it definitely comes off to me that way now. Yeah, like it's their it's their fault for being poor. It's their fault they're poor. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that, exactly. I think that you know that was definitely the narrative that was pushed to us for so many years, so many years, and and I, I think this is sort of kind of a lighthearted way of doing it. But they they you could tell that they sort of believe that. I mean, didn't Roseanne kind of just come out recently and say 
that shit. So something along those lines. Whenever Trump was president, didn't she didn't she say something like something along those lines? I don't know. I'm not gonna put words in her mouth, but like this is because I mean that's the thing. You know, when you've got you know the the actors and actresses on a show like this presenting this you know view of uh, working class people because they're not actually working class. Mm-hmm. They're playing working class. Mm-hmm. So they're when they you know create a show where hey you just can't give poor people money because they're going to miss they're not going to use it they're not mm. going to you know do responsible things with it they'll be irresponsible and hide it from each other and yeah. squabble about it you know that's i mean that is indoctrination that's enforcing the the cultural hegemony that's yeah. the viewpoint that the wealthy have of the working poor yeah well see another thing to remember too is even for artists that are just up and coming that you know, actors that have just, they're just getting their big break or have whatever you want to describe it as, you know, they're working with producers and showrunners and directors and stuff that have been in the game in the industry for a long time and have lots and lots of money. And they have, you know, infinite influence on what, you know, ends up making it to the final cut, which is why I think we talk about in the beginning, you know, when we introduce the show, it's the way that they, sometimes it's on purpose, sometimes it isn't. And I think we got kind of a mix of both in this one. I think some of the not on purpose hegemony was probably, you know, just them trying to figure out what to do with the money and, you know, deciding to do something else maybe. But then the on purpose was kind of like the way that it ended up. Like there was no resolution to that story. It just ended like they were just, uh, I I hope that you can return perfume and, and, and ship bells. Cause, uh, It'd be nice to be able to get that money back and then be able to do something with it, but it just kind of just dropped off, you know. Uh, presumably, well, they actually, they, I think they kept it uh, because at the end, Becky uh, got her pants that she was asking for. Mm, mm. So yeah, I mean, they they still are are just kind of like, well, you know, we, we we suck as people, so I guess we're just gonna enjoy and just indulge, you know, like, <laughs> and it's so bad, like, why why. Why are working class people so constantly ashamed for indulging in like one of life's few joys? Like <laughs> you see it time and time again. We get shamed for trying to enjoy ourselves. I mean, how many times? How many times? How many times have y'all heard the um, uh, food stamps shouldn't be able to buy shrimp argument? Have you heard that one? Steak. I've heard steak. steak. Yeah, steak yeah. and shrimp and, and crab legs. Oh, I saw I saw somebody at the store and they were buying steak and shrimp and crab legs with their food vouchers from the state government. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. And like, why? Why? Like, also, steaks are actually kind of cheap here in this state, at least. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. everywhere. I mean, just seriously, Google uh, Governor Stitt and anything to do with steak. Oh, my yeah. fucking God. Yeah, and it's you know again, it's part of the, it's part of the hegemony. You know, like it's a, a way to keep the people that are quote unquote supposed to be poor, uh, and supposed to be struggling in, in their place. Um, it's the same discussion that we're having now with the labor shortage, with the wage shortage, whatever you want to call it, uh, in in a different wrapper. It's a different wrapper. Yeah. Same discussion. How, how dare rapper. you buy ten dollar steaks at walmart yeah and honestly the millennials are killing the avocado toast argument is the exact same thing they're just finding a different group of people to blame it on instead of saying it's the poors it's the millennials or it's the you know whatever um and it's just pointing a finger in a different direction anything other than having to like 
you know, earnestly and critically address our the failures of our system that we built. Well, um, it there's this um, little comic, uh, and it was originally like this this corgi, and and you toss the ball and it brings the ball back, and it's like no take, only throw. Well, someone mm. took that and redid it with like the economy and capitalists. It's like no 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 give only only spend mm, like yeah. you never give you any money but you must spend your money and it's like yeah. i we don't you only we spend can't. yeah 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 uh, nova told me one time if you can if i paraphrase it maybe you can fix it for me but the something along the lines of uh money is the is the lifeblood that that keeps capitalism alive and if the if the blood stops flowing then the the heart dies uh, and yeah, that's basically it. That it, what do they expect is going to happen here? Once all the blood's yeah. pulling up in one spot and nobody has any of it to spend, then yep. the system's going to die. I think this would have been fixed if these people had played Jenga when they were kids. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's weird to me that they that the the, the, the I gotcha. absolute bare minimum to keep the system on life support is not being done or, or even considered. I mean, we just saw Joe Biden rolling back his promise on canceling any amount of student any, loan debt. Any amount. Any amount. Went from 10000 Guaranteed, we're going to do 10000 to uh, zero. It's Yo, it was zero. initially 50000 Yep. During the campaign, it was 50000 And then it was 10000 after he got elected. And now it's zero. Yeah. So, and also, at any point, at any fucking point, Joe Biden has the ability to, with a pen and no help from Congress, wipe out yep. all federal student loan debt. Yep. He can do that himself. He doesn't need Republicans for it. He doesn't need Democrats for it. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And mark my words, I, I, I'm making a prediction here. You know, come 2022, we're going to have some, uh, whatever it is, two or three seats in the House or the Senate or whatever are going to get flipped. You're going to get some Lauren Boebert-style Republican or, or maybe a, a more savvy fascist, uh, you know, some reps from who knows where, uh, jump in, maybe in key swing states. And then suddenly they're going to have them, uh, the Democrats are going to have a minority uh, in the Senate and in the House or Which one or the other. what they want. Yeah, and then yep. they're going to be able to shake their fists in the sky and say those darn those darn Republicans standing in our way. If we, if they, it wasn't for them, we could get all these things done. And we, we were just trying so hard, and we were just about to release, you know, name any issue: cannabis, late legalization, student loan debt, rent moratorium, stimulus money. You know, literally any, oh. anything, healthcare. Uh, we were trying to do I, it, but then, you know, right as we were getting ready to to do it, we lost them key seats because y'all didn't get out and vote. And and darn, all your fault. It's all your I fault found, now. Yeah, I found out today that apparently Biden is sending out. I, I blocked a lot of these people recently on my email, but apparently he sent out an, a, a, a a fundraising email mm. after he canceled the the or after he refused to cancel student debt. Mm -hmm. That's a uh, brilliant. Uh, oh yeah. I'm sure that everybody will sign right up to, uh, you know, give more of the money they don't have. To the person that uh, broke their promise to, well, you know, again, it's, I think it's going to be a radicalization thing. Like you're going to have people, you're going to have the back to brunch liberals that are going to, you know, fall right in line with everything because they're just out of touch enough to say, 
orange man bad, and as long as we don't have an overt fascist, you know, saying hurtful things they from the love White House, Trump. and um, you know, then they'll be fine with it. But then the rest of us who want to actually improve society somewhat, you know, are going to we're going to be starting to dismantle some of these outdated and you know unhelpful institutions, and it's it's probably going to end. In a in a very bad and 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 you know dire situation for a lot of people, and I hope that there's going to be a way that we can do it peacefully. But I, I just I, I don't see how when our electoral system is so heinously broken, and the people that are supposed to be saving us, the people that were supposed to be our our you know last hope or whatever, are sitting here spitting on us for the least amount of help. I, it's hard for me to have any faith in any of our established institutions in this country, uh, and I don't know really what the outcome is going to be. But I, I just always think of that the image of Nancy Pelosi showing off her imported ice cream next to her two thousand dollar freezers, while her constituents back home are dealing with a really bad um, uh, houseless problem with with people. I mean, and then cops just totally destroying them. What was the deal? Somebody sent her ten thousand dollars worth of roses or something like that. Like, yeah. Oh, her her freezer, uh, twenty four thousand dollar freezer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was Sorry. like some well, fundraiser. Keep trying to call yeah. after you keep period. trying to have it be a rational number. Yeah. It's actually an irrational number. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that headline. It was like you know, somebody sent. Some think tank group or whatever sent, you know. Daily fucking coast. Yeah, sent $10,000 worth of. Wait, who? The Daily Coast. Daily Coast. Yeah. That, oh, I thought you said the, the, the Coach uh, Brothers or something for a second. And I was like, uh, whoa. That would, that would be surprised. Yeah. That no, would have uh, been. Woo. Yeah, Daily Coast is a, a liberal uh, blog website uh, that. Back during like 2004, 2005, when I was more liberal, when I was active on there, it was, uh, and I was still pretty far left even for that group. It was the only game in town, really, for, you know, leftists online. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know, they didn't move when the rest of us did. Yeah. And, and they, had, they had the people they liked. Yeah. So they sent, they sent $10,000 worth of roses yep. to nancy pelosi's office or whatever as i thank you for her yeah. work in the senate or something it's like come on folks i mean can can we can we not come up i know ten thousand dollars is in the in the ruling class of sphere is not a lot of money but like my god dude you could you could build some you could build some hellacious tent cities with that money or you know do provide some meals or you know gardens? Some, yeah i mean i, I you That's know a really good community garden yeah, it's a really solid community garden. Anyway, that's just the point I get. I didn't mean to get in so deep on this stuff. I just, you know, am faced with the frustration of this stuff time and time again. And it and it keeps coming back. It, like, every time we we look at anything that has to do with the, the working class's economy and just the, the, the number of ways, the number of angles that they have on us in terms of deciding how we live our lives how we spend our money what little that they give us you know it's just it seems like it just increases every every year like we we have less latitude we have less you know for lack of a better word freedom quote unquote um 
and it's and it's appalling. You know, I, my heart breaks for people that uh, are in our our same situation here, that are more marginalized. Even you know, it's it's tough. It's tough. You don't have much much choice in those situations. But anyway, thanks for bringing that episode, uh, Athena. For <laughs> <laughs> well no <laughs> sorry i'm gonna go i'm gonna go drink now <laughs> roseanne will do that to you yeah. both the person and the show <laughs> well no i actually enjoyed it it's uh it's been a long time since i've seen this show so it was a uh you know whatever hey gave us a lot to talk about let's put it that way <laughs> uh, with that one i think we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today and we will catch y'all the next time yep bye